Welcome to Let's Talk Land, a weekly land education talk show devoted to learning about land and farms, buying and selling, and ownership, especially for real estate agents and realtors. Learn from the experts. This is free land education, guys. Hi, my name's Lou Jewell. I'm an accredited land consultant with United Country Real Estate, Sutton Properties, along with my co-host today, Teresa Martin, who was unable to be here. She's out selling real estate. Go get them, Teresa. Buying and selling homes, land of farms in western Piedmont, North Carolina, or southern Virginia. Hey, give us a shout. We'll help you out. Our office is at 102 East Main Street and next to BB&T in downtown Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. And our company website's www.allsuttonproperties.com. That's A-L-L-S-U-T-T-O-N properties, plural, dot com. All shows are dedicated to the Realtors Land Institute staff and members. And our national site is www.rliland.com. If you're buying or selling land or interested in land education, please go to that site. We are the top 1,600 uh, agents out there and with about 500 accredited land consultants. So uh, if you want to have brain surgery, go to the brain doctor. So if you want to sell or buy land, come to our website. Find us out. Hey, we'd like to thank our sponsor, LandHub.com, buying or selling land. LandHub is the place to be. Our guest today is Alan Worrell. Welcome, Alan. Thank you, Lou. Good to be with you. Where are you calling from? Calling from Jacksonville, Illinois. Wow. Uh, people, when they hear Jacksonville, they usually think Jacksonville, Florida. But no, we're, we're here in the Midwest and in, in the fat part of the state. When you look at Illinois, you know, we're kind of we're on the west side where the bulge is. Gotcha. You cover pretty much of the state, don't you? Well, we're not mega big. We, we, I guess I would say we're central, west central Illinois. Okay. Um, that's kind of our breadbasket, and that's where we try to focus on, Lou. Well, we want to learn about who you are and your company and what you guys do and uh, see if we can't uh, encourage some folks to come out your way and invest in our beautiful land. Uh, you, you guys are in the, probably like the top third uh, farming area in the country, right? Yeah, we we like to think so. I mean, we're over here where there are some, you know, soil that is as good as God made. Uh, the interesting thing about our part of the state, you know, while we've got some of the best, you can go south, you can go west, and then we kind of, like, kind of quickly transition into some more recreational land, woodland right. timber. We also got some of the best deer hunting in the world. So we're, uh, we, we got a little bit of everything over here. Exactly. So you're an accredited land consultant like myself. When did you get your ALC? Oh, golly. You know, my perception of time has gotten so yeah, poor as I've gotten old. Uh, probably 10 years or so ago. I mean, I've been in the land business a, a long, long time. I mean, my uh, start in the real world, Lou, was uh, my first uh, job upon graduating college was as a farm manager uh, in our part of the world. Uh, there are a lot of banks that had trust departments, and part of the services those trust departments provided was was farm management. And so I cut my teeth as a farm manager, and as time progressed, got you know more involved in doing appraisals and and uh, and real estate sales. But you know I, I hate to say it, but uh, yeah, I've been in this uh, ag business since 1977, so uh, I've got a, what hairs are left are getting pretty gray. I hear you, I'm right there with you, buddy. You graduated from Western Illinois University, what a great school, back in 77, with a BS yep. degree in agricultural science. That's a pretty comprehensive course, isn't it? It really is. You know, I was raised on a uh, grain and livestock farm here in this uh, part of the state, and and, you know, we raised a lot of hogs and livestock, and I, I always, you know, had livestock as a 4-H'er and showed at fairs, and, uh, you know, I actually kind of started off as an animal science major and then kind of veered off more in the business direction as right. I kind of figured out where I wanted to go. It's where the but, money is, uh, we hope. <laughs> but it's led me to here. Yeah. You're also a member of American Farm Management. You carry their certification tell our audience about american farm and i'd love to if you can help me out get somebody from the organization on our show here in the future if you can help me out with that but tell us about just briefly american farm management who they are sort of like the realtors land institute yeah that was that was the first 
professional organization that I really got involved with was the American Society of Farm Managers and Rural Appraisers. And as I said, my uh, early years as a real-world person was in that farm management field. That organization, it's a nationwide organization of people that manage farms and basically do land appraisals. Here in the Midwest, there's a high uh, percentage, or at least a significant percentage, of absentee land ownership. Uh, you know, people that inherited land, in some cases, you know, people that in purchased it as investments. And so uh, that organization, uh, it's a great organization you know, again, focuses strictly on agriculture as either ag consultants, farm managers, rural appraisers. Then as time progressed, uh, you know, I, I got involved more in the real estate side, and there's a lot of crossover of members uh, in our organization that also belong to the Realtors Land Institute. That's true. Just as, as you and I do. Well, so, it fits. Uh, we started wearing, you know, more hats, and and um, so the two really, really, really good organizations with good education curriculums, and you know, at the heart of it is still agriculture. And I guess you know that's that's the good thing about both organizations. Yeah. So you're also a, a, a certified general real estate appraiser, certified general real estate appraiser. Of course, you're a real estate broker. You're an accredited land consultant and an accredited farm manager. So um, you've, you've uh, got some nice tools to, uh, to build and run your organization. Tell me about your organization. Yeah, uh, in my, oh golly, the first mm, 18 years or so of my life, I worked for commercial banks in the uh, trust department as a farm manager. And then in the mid-90s, uh, you know, the banking world was changing quite a bit, lots of mergers, buyouts you know, headed in different directions. And I thought, you know, to do what I do, you don't have to work for a bank. And I thought, if if I can do this successfully, uh, you know, why not try it as an individual uh, versus working for someone else? Uh, so I went into business on my own in 1995, working out of a spare bedroom in our house. Wow. I was afraid I would starve the family to death. I mean, I had a daughter entering college and a son in junior high school at that time and uh looking back and i thought what how in the world did i have the nerve to leave you know a steady paycheck for god knows what but uh so i started off as the lone ranger and i've been extremely blessed over the years we we've added staff we've added people and you know probably the most pleasant surprise of all of it lou is is the fact that uh uh, our son uh, is technically he's now the owner of the business. He he's a college graduate, but all of his years through college, the last thing any of us had in, in mind was that he'd become part of part of this. He uh, he was certainly you know always around farms, and my parents were still alive at the time, and he loved going down there, and you know it was always kind of important to him, but never really thought of it as being his profession. But uh, he, he, they'd been living and working in Florida, uh, and they relocated back to Illinois because his mother-in-law had some serious health issues. And so he was trying to figure out, well, what's he going to do now? He's got you know a college degree, and this isn't really where he thought he'd be. And I said, well, you could you know you could help me out until. You kind of find your niche and uh, started, you know, just helping me out. And uh, now I work for him. So that, that's, that's been quite, quite an uh, evolution. But uh, we have here in our, in our uh, building, I mean, we now have Luke and I are both accredited farm managers. We've got, uh, geez, uh, five brokers. Uh, I, I'm an accredited, or excuse me, a certified general appraiser, um, and that's kind of what has evolved to be what I do most of the time. Right. Uh, there's not a lot of state certified general appraisers in my part of the part of the world, so I mean we keep really busy. But realizing I'm not going to last forever, um, 
we brought on a couple of trainees that are licensed trainees and are in the process of hopefully here within two or three more years will become state certified general appraisers. So, you know, basically within our four walls here, uh, again, we're, we're pretty much ag dominated, but we'll either offer farm management services farm appraisals or farm real estate brokerage so um, we got some diversification but at the same time everything we do is ag related i want to shout out to your son luke who i've just so been so impressed with Uh, he's on our on our our live board now and soon to be our national president here in a year or two and uh, what a talent and i've been so excited Uh, i actually ran for president again (laughs) not not that i wanted to uh, but um, uh, I was running against 30-year-olds, uh, you know, and we've got the last uh, several presidents we've had and, of course, the ones that are coming up. I'm so glad to see these younger generation uh, get involved at the, in, at the top leadership. This is quite prestigious. But, Luke, Luke, I, I can't wait. I, you, you, I know you're very proud of him. And we also have something in common because I gave my company to my daughter a year and a half ago when I turned 70. So uh, my son-in-law runs it because he works for a real estate firm in New York City, but uh, does property management. But sure. uh, but uh, it's isn't it great to have the family involved? I tell you, it's uh, it, it is. You know, our, our running joke, and it's not really a joke, is I think it works because we never tried to make it work. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I mean, it was. I mean, this never came out of left field. And uh, I, I certainly would be remiss if I did not throw a shout out to my uh, daughter-in-law, Allison, Luke's wife, who she's, you know, she attends all the RLI oh, yeah. events. I know her well. And she, she is a real key component of our business. She, her background and training is in, like, marketing right. and, and business. So she she's a mighty important gal here, too. She may not be a licensed broker yet, but they make a great team, and it, it mm. has been awesome in you know probably one of the best things in my life to see how it has evolved and i mean he he got involved at our with rli early on and i remember loves loves the people sure. and you know, started you at the state level and you know fortunately got kind of hooked on into the national scene so yeah i'm very proud of him lou it, well both of them i know her as well and i tell you they both have incredible personalities and i just love being around them and yep. um, so um you know, it's uh, we're passing the baton, uh, Alan. So um, I think we're doing a good job. We're doing what God told us to do, right? I think so. I'd like to think so. I mean, <laughs> we all make our mistakes, but golly, it is so. It's so nice, you know, to have uh, somebody to pass it to. And I mean, we have a daughter lives in South Texas. Love her to pieces, you know. But she's in the medical field. Uh, but uh, it's been. It's been great to see Luke and his wife really take hold of this and, you know, implement new ideas. And, you know, as I t- tell people, Lou, I-, I-, I wasn't looking for retirement, but I was, you know, I was ready to get out of the front seat of the car to the back seat of the car and let somebody else steer it. And uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying it immensely. Me too. I just, I don't say anything. So I, I let yep. them, well, it's their business. It's their future. I've had my run. But, I mean, I'm broker in charge, and, you know, my son-in-law came in today and said, you know, we've got a uh, little farm we're listing, and, and she's actually got a business running out of it, but it's own rural agriculture, but she's running a business. And I said, hey, call the planning board director or call an attorney, you know. But, uh, you know, they, they come to me for advice, and I, I love helping them, but otherwise I keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yep. I, I'm with you. You know, you know it, that's always the, the fine line to walk is, you know, letting go, but still being a contributor, and I am perfectly happy to be a oh, me too. player at this point. And you know, they they ask me when they want to ask things, but I, I've been try, I've tried yeah. to be careful not not to exert opinions when they haven't been asked exactly. for. Hey, but listening audience, while you're on here, go to their website. If you're not driving, please don't do that. But uh, if you got something available, go to www.world, that's W-O-R-R-E-L-L hyphen landservices.com. And our guest today is Alan Worrell, and uh, this is Let's Talk Land. And our sponsor we'd like to thank is Land Hub 
Land.com, your land or land of your dreams. So interesting, uh, just talking about Illinois, what a great state, and your farmland, uh, second to none, I'm sure. And it's about 27 million acres in, in, in your state, about 75% uh, of the state's total land area. 75% is farmland. And um, that's impressive. And, and you know, being an appraiser and in the real estate business, you know, we're watching these, uh, these uh, farm prices go up. And I think just the stat that I pulled in our conversation, you're averaging about $7,400 an acre out there. Um, so uh, tell us what's going on out there. What, what, what the heck's happening? Well, you know, the land market has went, uh, I, I can't believe how, how much it has changed in the last six months. Uh, in terms of, of land values, I mean, just to give a little background here, I mean, we're, we're you know we're in the Corn Belt. That's what you think of the the three eyes, and you know, in our part of the world, it's predominantly corn and soybeans. You get south and west of us, you start to see a little bit of wheat on some of the more rolling, erosive soils that are not quite as drought tolerant, but uh, uh, a lot of corn and soybeans. And Illinois, you know, is a major uh, producer, like like Iowa. Seems like every year we kind of duke it out with who's got, you know, the most production and the highest yields. And I mean, ironically, just this morning I was seeing they had re- released uh, the ag statistics for uh, the state of Illinois on a per county basis. What what the 2020 corn yields were, and I'm in a county called Morgan, and I think we were at 209, 210 bushels per acre as a county average. Uh, there was a strip east-west of here that was kind of the, the breadbasket of Illinois last year, and there was, you know, some 215s or 220s, but uh, call it good soils, call it, you know, good farmers, call it good weather or good machinery, but we uh, we can really pump out uh, the the corn and soybeans. Alan, how does that relate nationwide? Those statistics, because I I need a benchmark. Uh, okay. What, what what was the question again? No, I'm saying with the, you're you're throwing out these yields uh, a product uh, for the state of Illinois. How does that relate with the other crop states? Is that are you guys like? the highest in the mid-range with these prices? Yeah, I mean, it seems like prices. us in Iowa always kind of duke it out for okay. the highest, uh, you know, statewide averages. And okay. I think last year, if I'm remembering correctly, I think Illinois, I think, somebody will probably correct me, was was first. I mean, the state of Illinois averaged over 200 bushels per acre, which, you know, Illinois is a pretty diverse state from north to south. Uh, you get up northern Illinois, you know, a little bit more rolling soils to get down south, and you get more woodland and uh, lower productivity index soils. But, you know, I, I've been around, it feels like forever, but I never, ever, ever thought in my lifetime we'd see statewide, you know, corn yields of 200 bushels per acre plus. Uh, so, um, you know, you know the, the last really bad year for us was probably 2012 the big drought year uh was a a tough one we've had a few wet years in between where we suffered from excessive moisture instead of a shortage of moisture but but yeah we're we're very blessed with some really really productive soils in this area lou well that's driving it up Uh, i was just looking at progressive farmer their january issue 2021 uh and they were relating to uh uh, Mount Juliet in Tennessee, their harvest, but specifically in your area, said the average sales price of quality farmland in Illinois was $11,200 per acre, 4% higher than the year before, according to a survey with Farmers National Company, who's a lot of our ally guys, and we love Farmers National. While Illinois sales topped the charts and price tax, several other Corn Belt states had even larger percentage increases. Indiana uh, average sales price increased 8%. Uh, from their year high of 9,700, and Ohio uh, was about 7.5, averaging about 7,800, and Iowa sales was 7% higher over the year before, of about 10,400. Uh, what what's driving that? I know uh, population is, but 
are any of these uh, trade deals and, and, uh, and of course, low interest rate, uh, I'm sure that's, uh, as an appraiser, uh, you know, you don't get into the, that type of minutia when you're evaluating property. But um, in your opinion, is, is those, what's, what's driving this? Good question, Lou. I mean, we talk about this all the time. Uh, you know, right now, I, I'd say the big three that are driving it in our area is the drastically improved commodity prices. You know, going back as recent as last August, you know, all you could hear people talking about was, oh, you know, come harvest, we're going to have sub three, uh, you know, corn in the low threes, beans in the mid eights, and it was kind of glum, actually. And, you know, here we are today, corn's, you know, $5 a bushel, roughly, and soybeans are, you know, $13 a bushel. It's been the most dramatic and unexpected turnaround in commodity prices without a major weather event driving it. So we got we got much improved commodity prices. Okay. We've got an extremely low interest rate right. environment, which which helps on you know both sides of the coin. Sure. If, if you're a borrower, your interest rates are low, and, and you know those people who've got money on deposits uh it seems like a lot of people with farmland you know are kind of a bit more conservative and you know the stock market and some of those investments are uh, realms they don't feel comfortable with so uh you know if you got money sitting in a bank you're not earning much on it um so you know the, the interest rates are helping and the other thing in our area is just the scarcity of supply there's just not much really good class a land now as i said earlier lou i mean we're in an area where we've got a b c and d soils and timber land we got a little bit of everything right. i mean the good the good land in particular is incredibly strong now and uh some of the percentage increases you're referencing are certainly what we're seeing uh uh, my son Luke and I were heavily involved in a survey just completed by uh, the RLI in Illinois and the Illinois Society of Farm Managers and Rural Appraisers that was, uh, uh, you know, doing a survey of our members of what happened in 2020. The state of Illinois is divided into regions, and they haven't published the book yet, so I haven't seen all the results, but for our region, of the world, Region 7, yeah, we, you know, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but but it saw a, a nice increase, and in, in the thing I keep telling myself already, Lou, is, you know, this result, this survey was as of December 30th, uh, 2020, and in my opinion, in our corner of the world, we've seen a noticeable spike in prices in January and February. Yeah, yeah. We started, uh, you know, some upward momentum in the fourth quarter of last year. And if anything, it seems like it's gaining momentum in 2021. And, you know, here in a week or two, we're going to announce all these results, and they almost seem out of date already. Yeah, Farm Credit, I pulled their report, which was uh, February the 8th, okay, which is not quite a month. And it says of the 74 different farmland auctions, we're talking about auctions now, which I want to talk about a little bit more but for, for the sake of this this conversation. Results of 74 different farmland auctions reported since last. Results were published August 2020. These publication auctions concluded with successful bids and represented 7,224 total acres in 26 different counties, selling on a grand total of 55.9 million with an average of 7,743 per acre. The highest price was about 14,950 for Class A land in Champlain, County and then the lowest price was twenty six twenty six for Class C in Hamilton County, but both of these sales took place those last two in December and like you said, uh, you know you've you've even had uh, higher stuff uh, since then. Uh, amazing. Yep, yep. We we've had a couple of sales here, you know, in our backyard uh, over the last month or so that have, you know, well. Uh, Class A stuff's been, we, we had a sale in the low 13s, one in the low 14s, and, you know, for the last year or two, people say, what's Class A land worth? My Kind of my pat answer was, oh, 11,500, 12,000, you know, because we were seeing sales clicking along, but we, we've, we've definitely taken a step upward since then. So, you know, is this going to be sustainable? I 
I always tell people my crystal ball is not any clearer than anybody else's, but uh, I broke I broke I mine. Look, I can look backwards, and yeah. I can tell you we've definitely improved. Yeah. I, I dropped my crystal ball a number of years ago, so uh, yeah. Hey, just yep. for our listening audience, just since you're such uh, great knowledge, can, can you just talk just briefly about the different classes of soils, the A, B, C, and D, uh, just generally, uh, to a little education sure. for our show here. I'm a self-professed bean counter, so I, I relate to numbers. In, in Illinois, each soil type is assigned a productivity index. You know, I, I know in Iowa it's the corn suitability rating, I think is what it is. Illinois, we call them PIs, productivity index. Okay. And anything with a 133 and above is considered excellent or class A soils. A 117 to 133 is good uh what we call class b class c's are gee 100 117 and then class d's or anything below 100 so it's kind of based on you know productivity indexes some people call them excellent some people call them class a uh yeah i i you know i probably think more in terms of a b c and d i'm old school i suppose right but you know, for us, uh, you know, those are soils that have got productivity indexes of 133 and above or above or class A's and 117, 132 or class B's. And, and you know, so we, we look at soil maps a lot sure. and, uh, you we know, see too. what's the weighted productivity index of tracks to give us an overall feel for, uh, you know, the kind of farm it is. And then from there, it's kind of like a car, you know, you, you, well, what's the good and the bad of it? That's the productivity index. But is it, is it well-drained? Drainage is an issue in our area. Is it, is it tiled? Does it have subsurface drainage? Are the fields, you know, do you have good road access? Are they nice square-shaped fields that are efficient to farm? You start getting all the pluses or minus that sure. go beyond the productivity index. Yeah, that's the nomenclature, right, of the soils and what's the... Yep. Yeah, but we all start with the PIs, right. you know, and then, you know, you go what's good or what's not quite as good about those. Yeah, and that's a 100-plus year history. So, yes. uh, yeah, it's easy to calculate. Yeah, people get confused, although when they see productivity indexes, they have a t tendency to think, are you talking yields? You know, and thinking, 133, well, that's not impressive. Well, you know, an index is an index. That's it's great. a number. It's not, yeah. it's not saying that's well, what your yield is going to be. Yeah. Uh, do you see much rent? Uh, uh, you know, you've got a lot of private ownership, and you've got uh, institutional ownership, uh, and then you've got um, organization uh, ownership. Um, uh, but uh, I'm sure uh, for farm management, a lot of that is leased land. Is that correct? And what type of percentage are you talking about, just roughly, of pr privately yeah. owned versus uh, versus uh, yeah. leased land? You have a handle on that? We have a, we have a little bit of everything. We do have a pretty high percentage of uh, landowner-tenant relation. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's also a significant amount of, you know, owner-operators in our area. What has changed a lot, Lou, in the past is the, the, the lease terms. When I was a kid, uh, you know, most of the land that was leased was on a crop share lease, you know, where an owner would get 50%. Uh, tenant get 50%, you shared at input costs. Uh, but time has progressed, and we see fewer and fewer of those type of leases. They're still plentiful. Okay. They're not as dominant as they once were. And, you know, we've transitioned to much more cash rent leases where the tenant's paying a fixed rent. Uh, there are more custom leases. There are just all a lot more different kinds of leases than what, there used to be or hybrid leases. It's the menu has got a lot more choices on it than what it used to. Right. Interesting. Um, so again, it's uh, you, what, what's the new thing that's out there? Uh, there's flex leases. Uh, you know where there is a a minimum cash rent lease that can vary depending upon yield and price. So the landowner, you know, may get a, a bonus rent if conditions are good. And, you know, our area we're seeing, you know, depends on where you're at and an owner's ability to bear risk. We see quite a few more custom leases where the, you know, the owner is paying all the inputs but getting 
all of the crops, but, uh, uh, you know, as far as the land auctions and some of those things we've seen, Lou, you know, I would say the majority of land being purchased is by farmers. Uh, You know, we see landowner purchases uh, as well. We don't see huge amounts of institutional purchases. There, There are some out there, but but they're minor compared to the others. Our guest today is Alan Worrell. This is Let's Talk Land. Thanks to our 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 sponsor, LandHub.com. View thousands of properties for sale at LandHub.com. So, Alan, um, we're talking about uh, different types of, uh, of uh, farm uh, rental. Uh, uh, how do you value a farm? I know... Uh, one of our great courses, we'll take, we have 10 right now. We have as many as 15. These are two-day, 16-hour, uh, and one's uh, actually two-and-a-half-day, which is the land investment analysis course. Uh, and you don't have to be a realtor to take any of our courses, by the way. Uh, anyone's welcome to take them. In there because we, we've, we've had online courses before the virus, but uh, we definitely have all of our courses are online now. In fact, we've got our annual land conference coming up starting uh, on March 15th for three days. Uh, supposed to have been in uh, St. Louis, but because of the virus, uh, we're doing it virtually as we did last year. Uh, so uh, that's available to the public out there, too. Go to the website, www.rliland.com, and, and bone up on that. But um, uh, cap rates, when, you, when, you, uh, when you're calculating value, and you are a licensed appraiser, we've talked about that, uh, can you tell how that works? And then the other things that you look at as an appraiser for specifically ag land that you wouldn't for recreational land or you wouldn't for timber land and maybe what the difference in, in the way you approach those in terms of valuation? Would you help us out? Sure. Yeah, you know, we're taught by the book, uh, as you well know, Lou, when you do an appraisal, there are three approaches to value. The cost approach, income approach, sales comparison approach, you know, Alan's two-cent opinion is the cost approach is, is really helpful when you have a property with improvements where right. you can calculate, you know, replacement cost of improvements and then apply, you know, deductions for physical deterioration and functional obsolescence or external obsolescence. The income approach is is, use, is helpful on good cropland because uh, we, we find – uh, you know, that we, we can kind of track, predict capitalization rates or cap rates uh, based on earnings. Um, and then the sales comparison approach is, you know, comparing the subject to other properties of similar quality and characteristics uh, to your to your subject property. But, you know, specifically getting back to the cap rate there, uh you know, it's an interesting dynamic right now because, you know, here suddenly we're seeing land values spike upwards. Uh, I'm not sure the income has quite caught up with that yet. So cap rates on some of these recent sales has actually went down some. That's I mean, in our part of the world, you know, rents were negotiated and fixed, you know, probably last fallish or late last summer for this upcoming crop year we're about to embark upon uh but yet you know here suddenly land values are are going up the cap rate is basically you know your net income divided by the the market value of the property in in our area you know cap rates you know and there's always exceptions but you know we're probably around two and a half percent plus or minus um been on a number of things, which, you know, that doesn't sound like a sexy rate, but um, nevertheless, it, it, it's been rates that have been, you know, adequately supportive of, of the land market. So, but at the same time, you know, cap rates are pretty much irrelevant on timber recreational property. Right. You don't, you don't really have a defined income stream that's predictable, you know, that kind of land People occasionally have a timber harvest, or they can lease their land for uh, to out-of-state hunters. That that's fairly popular just west of us. Sure. Uh, we got some great white-tailed deer hunting country, but you know that that's a that's a hard call to predict uh, income on that type of property. But uh, you know the cap rate, you know on on farmland, in my mind, is you know it helps to substantiate or 
your your values of the sales comparison approach or, or cost approach. But you know, back in you know over the long term history, we've we've seen cap rates of five percent, and we've seen them less than two. The uh, uh, it just depends on that uh, relationship between net income and and market value. Right. And of course, the, with the commodity prices up too, uh, how is that affecting the cap rate? Well, no, you know, now you know if you took a, a cap rate shot today, right, using today's commodity prices versus last October, the cap rates would be, you know, pr- pretty decent. If you hung last year's rents on this year's land prices, the cap rates don't look quite so impressive. But it, it, it's stunning, and I don't use that word frequently, but it's stunning to me how the economic outlook has improved so much over the last five or six months. I never never saw that coming at all. So, uh, you know, with these higher commodity prices, cap rates are improving, but, you know, the land market's moving up at the same time, too. That was my doggy shot, and she's um, our uh, mascot on the show. Jack, hey, that's my, okay. My Jack I'm a dog lover, too. Well, she sells more land than I do. She's in all my advertising and her drone shot. She runs up and uh, sits down with her tongue hanging out, and a bubble pops out and says, Hi, my name's Shadow. Follow me on the most incredible piece of property you'll ever lay your eyes on. There come you on, go. Come on, let's go. It, rela- it relates to people, doesn't it, Lou? And then, she, mean, then at the end, she comes back and she said, Hey, I told you this is incredible. You better call my dad, Lou Jewel, right now, 336-669-14. You better because there's so many people want this property. And damned if the phone don't ring. It's crazy yep. stuff. Yep. But everybody knows well, it's, be, it's better than a talking head, yeah, you know, right. a, a robotic head. I mean, people can relate to something real and live and tangible. Let me let me ask you something. I want to stay on this. Uh, I had the privilege a couple – well, let me back up. You know, there's no land education formally out there in the world uh, other than the Realtors Land Institute that I can find. Um, and so in North Carolina, we have to have uh, – eight hours of continuing education for the 118,000 licensed realtors in North Carolina. I just saw that new number today. That's crazy. But uh, uh, we have to have those eight hours for required. And in elective, there's four hours. And there's about, Alan, 300 titles, a little over that, but it's, it's all houses. So five years ago, I, I created a, a land CE class that was approved by our North Carolina Real Estate Commission Education Department called Introduction to Land Brokerage, which I've been teaching all over the state uh, since then. And, uh, but one of my, uh, my first class, uh, Ron Loftus and his wife, Ron's a uh, MAI appraiser, Loftus Appraisal Service in Winston-Salem, who's been on our show. You can listen to his podcast. But he called me up and he says, Lou, you know, I'm a member of the North Carolina Board of Appraisers, and uh, I'm one of the instructors, and I've been teaching for years, but I was so impressed with your class on land, would you write a course for the North Carolina Board of Appraisers? And I said, on land, I said, I'd, I'd be honored to do that, but you're going to have to help me on the appraisal side because that's just a door I can't open. So we joint ventured it, and it's called Rural Land Values. Is it an art or is it a science, which is an interesting title. And uh, I went through all of the, anything you could think of from sinkholes to, you know, we have hurricanes and you guys, what, you know, what, what is a, what does a hurricane do to the soil and to crops and to the values of land? And then, of course, the uh, buildings, uh, the improvements, uh, the type of fencing, uh, you know, and then, I mean, I even get into the soil types, you know, it's very important, specifically for ag and even the timber market. I mean, you know, uh, timbers uh, relates on uh, soils too, but, um, you know, what do you use as an appraiser? What do you guys charge to use other than the cap rate and the three methodologies? I mean, when you really get in and you're looking at buildings and structures and, and maybe uh, uh, wetlands, uh, I mean, do, do you go and, and specifically look at all of these issues and weigh them? Well, you should, or at least be conscious of it. You can't be an expert in everything. I, understand. I mean, what, one of the, the classics for me, Lou, is – you know, I can walk out in a timber and see, oh, yeah, that's a walnut tree or that's a, a hedge tree or a locust, but I cannot tell you how many dollars are marketable timber. Sure. You know, there well, is that's a real Sometimes science. you gotta, you have to admit what you don't know and you know, either consult with somebody that's far more educated than, than you are on individual uh, topics, but 
there, there's, you know, for us and doing appraisals, you know, we're looking at stuff like is the land considered highly erodible by the USDA? Is the okay. topography, you know, rough enough that sure. you got to have a conservation plan? Or are there wetlands on it? And, uh, you know, those kind of things. And th- this is maybe a little bit off the topic, but, you know, something I am becoming more and more convinced of in in, in our area that plays a lot bigger role in land values than what it used to is, I, I, I call it the farm, farmer-friendly features. Uh, as the machinery has gotten so darn big. And I expensive. Mean, you know, I was raised on a farm over in good old Scott County, and, you know, Grandpa had some 10-acre fields and 12-acre fields and, you know, equipment as big as it is now. Nobody really wants to fool with those. Uh, it, they're just too hard to farm, and they take too much time, and people will pay a premium for, you know, big fields, open fields, good access, uh, you know, shapes such that they're more efficient to farm. Uh, so uh, those things, you know, and access, and the other thing in our area too, Lou, is, is drainage. I mean, we uh, we have some great soils, but some of them can be wet, and you know, in a, in a wetter year, and subsurface tile is is a big issue. So, I mean, all those things are some of the factors that could either be a, an addition or a subtraction when you're when you're doing an appraisal. Technology. I mean, yep. it's just uh, everything satellite. Everything. I was talking to had a show a couple months ago, and and the guy was actually on his tractor. He was out there on his tractor, but it's so automated, and he's just sitting in the tractor and watching it go, and he says, oh, hold on one second, got to turn around, and he yep. would take a moment and steer it around and then sit back, and it ran itself. Um, yeah, you know, that's the one thing, Lou, I mean, I've been... Uh, and even robotic, farm. you know, robotic equipment. Yeah. I uh, raised on a farm, this is basically all I've ever known, but the one facet of agriculture that has left me in the dust is the technology side of it with machinery. It's I mean, I used so to, fast. before my dad retired, I, I loved being a, a weekend warrior, as I would call it, and, you know, go help at harvest and run the combine and tractor. I wouldn't know where to start now. No. I'd be the last person I think you'd want to have in there because everything is so different and so technical. It passed my skill level, and uh, that's embarrassing, but it's... It's pretty much the truth anymore. Well, even your herbicides and your pesticides and your genetic engineering, you know, the, yep. the uh, what, 5% corn or something years ago, they, they, they created, a, it took uh, uh, less water to grow the same amount of yield uh, yep. with, with, uh, with the genetic engineering. And, uh, and, and what, what is the carbon? Are you guys getting into carbon credits out there, low teal? And is you know, that- not very much, or else I've had my head and I mean, I hear it discussed and and getting some conversation, but uh, unless I'm just totally in the dark, I haven't seen it become a factor yet. But, you know, new administration, new regulations, uh, those are the kind of things, you know, I think we'll Drive that one, yeah. see and hear a lot more about. Yeah. I've done a couple shows on carbon credits and uh, had one of the Duke University professors uh, that actually started the wetland school on campus um, some 30 years ago, and he was working on an assignment in the eastern part of North Carolina. Uh, this owner had actually a 30,000-acre track and uh, contiguous, and uh, about 10 uh, about 10,000 acres of it was uh, was peat moss uh, land, and they were down there doing peat moss restoration for carbon credits because the peat moss supposedly is one of the largest sponges. Of, 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 of reserving carbon uh, in our soils. Uh, fascinating. And then um, another show, we got into um, timber carbon credits for these uh, planted forests. Uh, normally, you harvest, you know, around with the, with the uh, hybrids and with the lobs, uh, you know, about right. 30, 30 years. And, of course, with the carbon credits, if you allow them to, uh, to grow for 60 years, uh, then you can uh, qualify for the carbon credits, which is kind of interesting. Right. And then I yep. interviewed a company down in Texas, in Houston, and uh, was a Ph.D. at, a, at uh, Rice University. 
and an uh, entrepreneur, and they teamed up together. And we talked about the equipment now that it's uh, there's a you know, it's a five year process to uh, to analyze carbon, whether it's increasing or decreasing, uh, with very specific equipment. But the equipment now is uh, being certified uh, worldwide, and they actually have a, a brokerage firm uh, buying and selling trading uh, carbon credits. Uh, so I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on out there uh, that. Uh, you know, the next generation, uh, we'll, we'll let, I, I kind of like watching. I don't want to be involved, but it's interesting how fast all this stuff's moving. Yeah, oh, exactly. I, I, you know, at my age, Lou, I, I, I joke, but it's not a joke. I'm becoming more and more well, like we're a contemporaries. <laughs> you know, every every day that there's so much changing and the, the, the pace that it's changing is incredible and yeah, what what can you be knowledgeable of, and you know, what do you say? Hey, I, I don't know enough about this. You know, we're going to have to rely yeah. on somebody that knows what they're doing. That's why I love doing this show. It's just uh, I love learning, uh, especially about land, anything to do with it, and what a venue to uh, to do that. And I, I uh, hope more people uh, tune into some of these shows because they're just it's amazing uh, what what's going on out there. Uh, next big concern too, uh, while we're on this particular subject. Uh, Alan, is um, is the future? You know, we're we're our population and all the stuff going on. We're barely, you know, right now. Uh, if you look at the stats, we're pretty close to just, you know, we can maintain. We've got enough food to feed the planet right now, but that that's moving real quick too. And um, and and I'm I'm sure a lot of these technologies uh, they're aware of that and moving forward. But we're we're going to get to a breaking point at some point. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's been the topic seems like for most of my lifetime you know we're not re- we're not making any more land and we're going to run out of land to feed the world and you know those kind of things and you know I know there's some truth to it you know at the same time I know uh, as we were talking a little earlier in the show you know what average yields are now is so much higher than I ever foresaw so you know our total production capabilities has certainly increased substantially on a you know, fewer acres or not any more acres than what we used to have in the past. I, I it, it moves too fast for me to feel like I can keep up with as to, you know, how how is this supply-demand picture going to work out? Because, you know, one day you're convinced, you know, we're going to run out of food to feed the world, and the next day, you know, we're we're crying about low commodity prices because we got such a surplus. Uh, I... I don't know. I, I, I'm not enough of an economist to have my head wrapped around that one. We'll let Russell Riggs uh, uh, address that when we have him on the show here in a couple of weeks. Our head lobbyist yep. for RLI, I have him on after the land conference because he's one the last presenter of, of our uh, conference. And uh, he brings us up to date on all the stuff that's going on in Washington that affects the land industry, you know, and, yep. uh, and, yep. uh, which is uh, real exciting. I, I look forward to having him on every year. I'm going to shift gears. I think we've covered this pretty good, don't you? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we could talk about land till the cows come home, literally. But uh, sometimes yeah, they don't you, come home. But you know, so, we had a dairy farm with over 500 head. Uh, my grandfather did, so uh, I know about the cows. Um, yep. Let's go back and get, talk about farm management, which is a, a great portion of your wonderful background, Alan. What is farm management? What's it involved? How do you get involved? Uh, who, who wants farm management? Why? I can manage my own farm. Uh, yep. Can we go in that subject a, que- a little bit? Good, good questions. Basically, farm management, you know, is, is prominent here in the Midwest because it, predominantly of our high or a, a significant amount of absentee land ownership, people that uh, own land. But, you know, we have clients live in North Carolina. They're, they're, they could be neighbors of yours, Lou. <laughs> but somehow, some way, they, you know, own land here in, in Illinois. So basically a farm manager is the agent uh, for the landowner. We're, we're, our loyalty, fiduciary responsibility is to the landowner. But, you know, we work with the grower in with whatever type of lease you have in place on a particular property, we're essentially the middle person between an owner and a tenant in trying to you know, achieve goals for the owner. You know, the perfect situations, you're not in an adversarial uh, relationship. I mean, you, you know, we like to think, hey, we're in 
you know, like a partner. with the yeah, you're a partner. tenant growers. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but, but, you know, the kind of things that we can do, and again, it depends a lot on the type of lease you have, but, you know, we, we do all the accounting, you know, if it's a share lease, we market the grain, um, you know, we do reporting to the owners, handle all the USDA paperwork stuff. But as far as how somebody gets into it, I mean, anybody can be or can call themselves a farm manager. Up to this point in time, it's not a licensed profession like brokers or appraisers. Interesting. Now, people like like Luke and I, um, you know, we belong to the Illinois and American Society of Farm Managers and Rural Appraisers. They have a number of great schools, and, you know, you go through the schools, you go through testing, and you can become an accredited farm manager, okay. an AFM, as he and I are. It just, you know, and have a code of ethics that adds some credibility to, you know, to, to what you do. Um, so... You know, in our area, there are a lot of farm managers that still work for commercial institutions like banks. I'd say the shift has been over, you know, the last 20 years or more and more kind of independent business people like like me. We're, we're not, you know, we're not mega big in this business. There are some national companies like you referenced Farmers National or Hertz or some some others that, that cut a wider path than than we do. We're pretty much central and west central Illinois, but, uh, um, you know, we're still subject to continued education and some of those kind of things, even though we're not licensed. If we're going to be a member of the American Society of Farm Managers, you know, and maintain our designations, we uh, we have to take classes or, you know, attend events that, that will give you CE credits, just like you know, we do as appraisers and, and brokers. Right. So I was just looking here on your website, uh, which is uh, www.worrell-landservices.com on your website, which is really nice. Go there if you get a chance. Um, you say streamlined procedures that give you more flexibility. You mentioned the setting the goals, but you also help design effective crop marketing plan. Uh, and then you also manage government farm programs, comprehensive analysis and selections of the chemicals, the crops, the rotation, the fertilizer, and the seed, updating lease terms to ensure relevance for the current market, analyze any recommendations for any capital projects, and secure adequate property insurance. Now, do you also get involved in, in hiring the, uh, the actual field, uh, the field, the people that's actually out there doing the work? Yeah, uh, the the tenant, you bet. Uh, you know, the, if it's a brand new account for us and there's already a tenant in place, you may have a pre-existing you know relationship that the owner really likes and you want to maintain. You know, sometimes we get involved because hey, maybe the farmer is retiring um, and the owner especially if they're out of the area, says, I have no idea who to get to sure. farm my land. So we, you know, we're kind of the job interviewer, if you will. Employment of, agency. Yeah. Of meeting <laughs> prospects and trying to fit one, find the ones that's the best fit for that farm because it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all, you know, world. It depends on the type of farm it is. I mean, some of them you're going to be more uh, interested or more conscious of, you know, soil erosion or, uh, you know, using some different farming practices than you might on some other pro- properties. But that's a key part of, of the job. Anything else on the farm management segment? Oh, you know, a big part is, is I think farm management, you know, a huge sec- uh, segment of it is just communications, Lou. I mean, for every account we have, we've got a, a landowner on one side, a tenant on the other, but you know, we're still answer to the owner, but just communicating what's going on and, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, Luke is a licensed drone pilot and, you know, taking drone photos or, or you know, making recommendations of things that we think, you know, need to be addressed. Uh, the thing that's fun about it is, you know, every year is different. Yep, you never you know <laughs> crop-wise and 
challenge-wise, yeah. what's uh, you know, what you're going to face. But uh, that's been, you know, that's been kind of our, at least when I started, that was the mainstay of the business. Right. Uh, and then got more involved on real estate uh, brokerage and appraisals. With about three minutes, let's talk about your auction services. Um, is that full sure. service? Yes, it, it is. I mean, we, we do private treaty sales. Uh, we also do land auctions. That has certainly been different in the last year. The COVID, uh, you know, there haven't been many on-site auctions. And, you know, we're, we're, we've purchased a platform to do online auctions and trying to stay, you know, current with, with the times. But uh, when you get in a strong land market like we've got right now for the good stuff, auctions will oftentimes you know, do really well. It it kind of depends on the environment, the economic environment at the time, but land auctions are an important part of what we do, as is the majority of land we sell by private listing. But, uh, you know, we want to be able to offer all the services that an owner may want because, you know, let's face it, when people sell, sometimes their motivation levels are different. You've got to provide the service that best, best fits what they are wanting to accomplish. Yeah, we're, we're, we actually have our auction license, too, so the, the locals, if you're interested, uh, give us a shout. We'll help you on that. Uh, but um, overall, it's it's down. Uh, I mean, I just did one up in Virginia just uh, to liquidate. Uh, it was the uh, Governor Stanley, uh, Virginia, back in the 50s, um, Stanley Furniture. Um, it was the heirs, 11 of them, and uh, they, it was 1,000 acres originally, and the plant was built on it. But I'm down to 21 acres left, which was actually, I thought, the best part of the property. And, and for four years, I just couldn't get anything on it. And they wanted to get it off their books. It was the last one. So we had an right. auction and, and actually gave it away. But um, anyway, um, tell tell our folks uh, how to, they can get in touch with you. You've been an incredible guest today. And uh, I want to make sure yeah, they can get you know, to you. W- there's a number of ways to do it. As you've already referenced, our website gets a lot of traffic, which is uh, Worrell, W-O-R-R-E-L-L, and it's a hyphen, not an underscore, uh, hyphen landservices.com. Um, that's a good way. Our, our landline here is area code 217-245-1618. Uh, or, you know, uh, email uh, um, is Info at worldlandservices.com. Um, you know, you you know, we we try to try to be responsive and uh, we're, we're accessible in a number of different ways, just like everybody else in the world. Absolutely. Is well, uh, you know, it's um, I know you and I know your son and, and daughter-in-law and have the privilege of that, and you're an outstanding uh, outstanding citizens. And uh, we appreciate your contributions to the Realtors Land Institute. And, uh, of course, I'm sure MF also enjoys that as well. But um, wanted to um, thank you. I, I had a very engaging and good uh, show today. And uh, hang around. We want to close this thing out, okay? Okay, sure. Thank you for joining us today. Let us know how you like the show. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to suggest, we'd appreciate them. All questions are welcome, and all of our guests may be emailed with your questions as well. This show is for the public and, most importantly, for real estate agents who do not have a source for land education. All of our shows are downloaded after the show today on our master website, www.letstalkland.net. That's .net. Also, you'll find us on Spotify and Podbean. My email is lou at mylandpro.com. My cell number is 336-669-1405, and our sponsor is LandHub.com. If you're looking to buy or sell land, LandHub.com previews thousands of properties nationwide. Rodney, how do they get in touch with us here? Well, Lou, they can go to our website, go to WKTE1090.com, and also they can download the Simple Radio app and hear all kinds of happy, happy, happy music. We only play happy music. That's right. Hey, we want to be happy. That's it.
Beach Music and Oldies, and we won some awards. Yeah, five years in a row being the top radio station on the East Coast. East Coast meaning from Maine to like uh, Key West or something? Yeah, something like it. We don't get yeah. out to Illinois. We yeah, we do on the Simple Radio app. Oh, so just download that Simple Radio app and you can listen to happy music and, of course, our show. Anywhere in the world. And you got a nice award. Yeah, the uh, Readers of Choice uh, announcer of the year. Wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe you're in the running this year. No, Shadow is. Shadow. Yeah, Shadow is. Yeah, she joined our show today. She That's right. <laughs> Shadow, you always try to sneak in. <laughs> anyway, uh, we had a great guest today, Alan Whirl with World Land Services out of Jacksonville, Illinois. And we appreciate you joining us today. And this is uh, Let's Talk Land.net. We'll see you next week. <laughs>